Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Computer Weekly Downtime Upload Podcast. I'm Cliff Saren and my guest today is Max Heinemeyer, who works at Darktrace. Uh, but to get started, Max, why should we all know about Darktrace? Hey Cliff, it's great to be here. I think people should know about Darktrace because we bring something very important to the table in cybersecurity and help solve the problem of companies getting hacked and experiencing disruption. Okay, that's easy. Um, and what about yourself? How long have you worked there? I've worked for Darktrace for over seven years now. I used to live in Cambridge, actually, in the UK, but recently mm. moved back to mainland Europe. Oh, okay. So in terms of, I mean, we're, we're here to talk about AI, uh, and there seems to be everywhere you turn these days, there's something going on with AI. Um, I mean, have you, have you had much experience of AI? Is Darktrace a company that makes use of AI? It's at our heart and our DNA, we've been around for almost 10 years. And what we specialize mm. in is actually applying artificial intelligence and machine learning to cybersecurity. So we've been doing this and doing research and products in this fantastic space for almost 10 years. And we're delighted that now everybody speaks about it with the rise of ChatGPT and others, you know, <laughs> you can't get around mainstream discussions. And that's great for us because now people are very curious and understand and gives us a chance to explain where we sit and how we see the world and what we do in cybersecurity. Mm, yes, yes. Um, so broadly speaking, uh, I mean, what are the risks of AI in, in terms of, I mean, we're talking to a uh, enterprise IT audience and there's a lot of talk about the benefits of AI and also the, the sort of societal risks, I guess, of AI. Um, but there are enterprise security risks. And I'm, I'm quite keen to get your understanding of that, if you, if you might. May. Can, can you talk yeah, about that? Yeah, I'd love to. We've also done a lot of research on that part. Because we use AI for defense very successfully, I'd like to say, we've researched for a long time how AI could be used by attackers, by the bad guys and bad girls. So what the risks could be if this technology is applied. Now, I think it's important for your audience, you know, they're very savvy, but AI is not just AI. It's a, such a big word for so many different things, so many different machine learning systems. So we will have to get into some details there in a minute, but there mm. are tremendous risks. And I think it's good to see that any sufficiently advanced technology looks like magic or AI to the user, right? It could be anything. So what do we actually mean yes. here? And I think AI brings a lot of automation to the table. We see that in the defense space mm. where you can augment the human, you can really detect attacks, you can respond to them very easily with machine learning systems like we use here Darktrace. But I also used to be an attacker myself. I used to be an ethical hacker, a penetration test and red teamer. And we think a lot about how an attacker could use machine learning to automate their processes, to become more efficient, to scale up their attacks, mm. to make them more bespoke, to make them more successful. Especially in the latest context of ChatGPT, we might want to drill into that a bit because it's such a good showcase of what attackers can and can't do at the moment. I, I, well, that's actually my second question. Um, I phrased it slightly differently, but... I mean, if we look at ChatGPT, uh, I mean, it's amazing how very quickly um, it's been able to do things like, you know, pass exams, do write 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 articles, write novels, and um, and things like that. And 
uh, one can see that there is a risk that it could be used in the way that how attackers can target individuals by understanding them them quite deeply and personally. Yeah, we completely agree with that. And it's not just ChatGPT, it's large language models in general, where yes. it offers them an opportunity, the attackers that is, to make much more bespoke and tailored and sophisticated and error-free, grammar spelling error-free, personalized phishing messages, for example. And we've done some research into that. What we do here at Darktrace is we also defend our customers in the email space and our machine learning learns for business data. So we come to Computer Weekly, for example, or any of our customers, and we learn exactly how Cliff communicates, what syntax you use in your emails, what attachments you receive, who you talk to, internal, external. So we learn everything about you as an entity. And then we can detect if somebody sends an email that is unusual for you. So we use that mm. learning of self to detect anomalous emails and strip attachments and prevent you from getting hacked. That's great for us, and we've been using that successfully for a long time. But now with the rise of large language models, and even if you take ChatGPT itself out of the equation, if it was to disappear tomorrow, mm. the genie is out of the bottle, right? We see knockoffs already. We see others racing out there. We see the open source community embrace this. So this technology is not going to go away. It's not going to just disappear. Yeah, of course. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at myself personally and my, my inbox, which has far too many unread <laughs> messages in there. But it's very hard to tell the difference. And I mean, I, you know, I, I get a lot of, you know, uh, commercial information coming through, you know, the, the sort of press releases and things like that. But to tell the difference between that and other information is very, very hard. Um, and, and some of that information may just be, say, a sales pitch, which is, you know, interesting, but it's, it's not it's not targeted at me because <laughs> I don't buy anything from these companies. But but it's interesting. And how there, there are scattered in there. I mean, our, our our spam filters pick up stuff, but you can see that there are some things that that doesn't look <laughs> right. And if it's possible to automate so much more, I think as a human being, it's going to be very difficult as an individual to understand what's real and what's not. And I just want to add another point here, actually. Um, so ChatGPT reads what's on the internet, right? It, it, that's where it, that's how it understands. And the, the la large language models benefit from the content that's on the internet. Uh, I, I guess if you're not on Facebook, then, you know, whatever. But imagine how much public information there is about you or me on the internet. And if someone can read that, they can understand a lot about you and understand your what you do. Uh, we're always told don't share much. But we do that, right? Mm -hmm. And one can then fake that information and or or use that information in a way that makes you feel, oh well, you're you're a friend of mine. I you hit the nail on the head there. And that's what we've done research and experiments on actually. Um and we got some data. We gathered some data since the boom of ChatGPT in December last year when it reached a million users, how we see the email mm. threat landscape changing. And the data points we have is that it's becoming more personalized, it's becoming more scattered. So you don't just have your generic uh, Kenyan print scams anymore, but there's much more diversity mm. in that malicious body of emails we're seeing, which speaks towards this becoming much broader and sophisticated. And you're absolutely right. It's I would take it further. It's not just difficult for humans these days to spot these scams and attacks. It's becoming impossible. What do you train your people mm. on? If you know, if you say look out for spelling mistakes and generic scams, well, those days are over. 
Because like you say, there's so much context on the internet, which maybe ChatGPT doesn't have because it's been trained on historic information until recently. But then look at the most recent breakthroughs like AutoGPT or Baby AGI, where you literally just say, and that's an experiment we did, you just use this technology that can query the internet and use it in its memory mm -hmm. and break down tasks. You just say Spearfish Computer Weekly. And it breaks that down into, I need to understand who works at Computer Weekly. I use LinkedIn to find that out. I use Facebook to find that out. I need to gather context on Cliff mm. and his social media profile. I need to write a bespoke email to get him to click on a link. I need to create a piece of malware that hasn't been seen before, and so on and so forth. All of these things I would have to do as an attacker myself. I need skill if I'm a human hacker. I need to spend the money, the hours. And now it's not a magic bullet, right? The technology is still evolving. It has its flaws and mistakes. But now it's so much easier. So it's it's becoming mm. scary and dangerous out there. I don't want to paint a Terminator scenario. There's a lot of good things we do in the AI space to defend, have done for a long time. But it's definitely a paradigm shift we're seeing happening out there, especially in email at the moment. I think I'm going to have to shuffle my questions around a bit because you're touching on one of them already. Um, and it just got me thinking about... In the corporate world, you know, we, we rely on internal email messages from people we've never heard of. I mean, for instance, you may get an HR message, uh, a payroll message, um, all sorts of things, benefits message, you know, and uh, and you click on these, these systems that you never heard of because they're trusted, they're internal to you. But of course, we know that these things can be easily faked and they can be easily attacked. And it's very, and unfortunately, there's there's a balance, isn't there? Because you need to access these systems through an easy to way, way to do it. And it's through usually through an email link, because <laughs> how many of these corporate systems, you know, do, do we actually have to remember mm. and, and things like that? But that, 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 that must be terrible. I mean, it must be so hard to, well, to prevent people from clicking on something that looks totally legitimate and is internal to the organisation. I know the CEO style attacks, are, you know, they, they, mm. they've, they've been reported on, but, mm -hmm. but, but I see it in enterprise software. It's all over the place all over the place and also supply chain attacks mm. are on the rise where somebody hacks your suppliers and then use the trusted relationship to get to you mm. and again i think you always want to have defense in depth you want to train your employees you know as the last line of defense but we think technology needs to get better you can't put that pressure these days on your humans to spot every invoice scam and every internal system scam but how do you counter that then if we face a world where attackers have access to spelling mistake-free, very personalized, believable phishing emails against mm. your organization at the click of a button. Well, we think you need better technology. So you might be facing that large language model that knows the world and knows your social media and your um, press releases and a lot about your business. But to counter that, you need something that knows you even better. So if Cliff gets an email inciting you to click on a business relationship system, then as a human, you might think that looks legitimate and the language is okay and the grammar looks fine and there's no spelling mistakes and the sender looks like a business partner of ours. Mm -hmm. But actually, if you drill into it, that sender has never said anything to the rest of your organization. And the syntax doesn't reflect how people normally speak to you. And the semantics don't look similar to other semantics and the punctuation and language complexity. So there's hundreds of tiny things that a human would never pick out. But if you use a machine learning system that knows you and maybe knows even your laptop behavior, your cloud behavior and other things can quite easily identify, Cliff, you better don't click on this because mm. ISBA, I think that doesn't make any sense. Mm. This email doesn't belong. You should be careful. So it's 
it's scary out there, but luckily, you know, at least for us, we've got a very good approach with our AI to counter that. Mm. I just want your views, actually, and it's it's not really in sort of, it's one of these things where I, I don't want us to be sort of coming up with a solution in the in the next half an hour. But um, it does seem that, you know, there's this balance between, uh, you know, very much usability and convenience and actually doing things that, you know, that, that will, will stop attacks. And uh, the thing I'm talking about is that on a mobile phone and, and on your laptop, it's really easy to click on an email link. There, there's nothing, I mean, yes, the software will say, are you sure you want to do that? But most of the time when you're clicking on the link, you're in the middle of some other job. You're not concentrating 100% on, and you say, well, yes, I'll just click on the link while I'm talking to you because I can do that and the screen will open up and take you somewhere, right? <laughs> Should we be actually drawing back from that and saying, well, actually, this convenience is what is letting our people be vulnerable to the attack. Make it less convenient because that way we can reduce the level of attack. I see where you're coming from, but I think we're putting the carriage before the horse if we go down that route. Because <laughs> security should support businesses, right? We mm. want people to be astronauts and research law and do podcasts and entertainment and not be inconvenient by security and be hindered in their communication. So I don't think that's a route we should go down just mm. personally. I think on the contrary, security technology needs to step up and, you know, work seamlessly in the background. And you need clever systems that use automation and machine learning to help you counter these things and don't even make it surface to the user. Mm. In the background, when such a malicious email comes in, even if it's super tailored and targeted, we need to have clever enough systems that keep it away from the user or well, strip the link away. Mm, okay. I mean, I, I know that there's obviously scanning software that, you know, scans at the gateway or scans in the, on, on the server that, that checks if something is legitimate or not. Uh, but surely there must be advances where the scanning software can run a sandbox and, and check exactly you know, use ChatGPT, go off and figure out and follow the links and see what's going on out there and say, well, yeah, that's legitimate. No, that one is definitely not legitimate. I mean, I, I don't know how far the scanning software has to go but and how much time it would take, but we're not looking at every single, you know, the email goes into a server before it comes onto our desktop or onto our phone, right? So there is an mm -hmm. opportunity to do a whole load of background work before it even touches us. Exactly. And that's, I think, Initially, you ask, why should people know about Darktrace, right? When you speak to your colleague and they say, it's one of these companies everybody should know about. I think it comes back to that. Because if we think about security in IT, many people take the approach you just outlined. We need to scan it. Have we seen this link before? Is it bad? You know, have we seen this attachment? Is it bad? Mm. And that just doesn't work anymore in a world where everything is hyper-personalized and it's super easy to create new malware and hack into websites. And that's where that opposite approach comes in. Right. We don't, at least we here speaking for us, we don't try to scan that link that comes in and we don't try to understand, is it good or bad? We understand you and there's hundreds and hundreds of factors that tell us that link might have never been seen before, but in the context of the communication and the email and the topics you normally talk about and the sender and recipient relationship in semantics and syntax doesn't fit. It doesn't make sense. 
So I think you are right. That traditional approach of looking for, have we seen that attack before? Is this a known bad thing? Is breaking in today's mm. threat landscape. That's why we need that that additional approach of just finding out if it fits for you. And that's where a lot of machine learning can help. I think years ago, people used to talk about Minority Report, you know, the movie Minority Report, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I'd like your perspective on whether, um, you know, advances in AI monitoring is going to effectively, you know, it, it's going to create that kind of scenario, albeit in a virtual way, where everything we do is checked to see if we are behaving in the right way. You know, we, maybe we do want to click on a link that we've never clicked on before because we're researching something and it's a new topic or a new thing that we need to understand. And it's outside our normal behavior. And that's great, right? And the system in the background, call it AI and machine learning, should be smart enough not to stop your normal business. It should be okay to click on a link you've never clicked on. But if that link came from a sender that is unusual to speak with you and tries to incite you to click on something, and is clearly weird in your context of the business, then something should be done. Mm. So a system should be sufficiently clever to let your normal business continue, but the weird things should be stopped and prohibited. And I think you make a fantastic point there, Cliff, on the minority report, right? Um, because technology can be abused. It can be abused by police states or by bad actors, as mm. we've seen in things like minority report and dystopian futures. Or you could paint another picture if you want to go a bit more nerdy into the cyberpunk area, where you often have ICE systems to watch the networks, fully automated AIs to just keep the bad things out mm. with no human abusing that. So that's also good literary examples. But to your point, I think it's very important to use any kind of advanced technology in an ethical manner to make it explainable. What is happening? Why is this decision being taken? Who gets that data? Where's that data stored? And that's again something where we take a slightly different approach. Most AI you see out there, take ChatGPT or take other large language models or supervised machine learning, they work by training data. Mm. They want as much data from you as possible, put it in a big cloud and train and train and retrain. And that brings a lot of risks with it. How is that data secured? Is there a bias in there? And so on and so forth. We take the opposite approach. We do what's called online learning or self learning, we come to you, we do not take other customer data, we use our unsupervised learning to learn from scratch based on your behavior and the data stays with you. It's not taken to be learned for other customers. So a lot of that privacy, you know, kind of worms that you touched on and the problems that might come with it and the abuse of that data is almost a non-topic for us because we just take the data and keep it with you and just learn for you. Um, so I mean, looking at uh, Computer Weekly's um, audience and our readership, uh, you know, th these are sort of IT decision makers, senior IT decision makers. Uh, I mean, what, what would you say is the main takeaway? Yeah, we were looking at sort of the AI perspective and AI and security. Yeah, the thing I really want to get across to your audience here is that AI isn't just AI. There are so many different flavors. So the systems we hear about the most are the chat GPTs and the large language models, where it's about taking a lot of data into a central place, a cloud, and training and retraining and retraining. Now, what I want to get across is that there's different kinds of AI. For example, the one we are using, that self-learning AI, that unsupervised machine learning, online learning, where you do not need to take all of the customer data in a big pot and stir it around and summarize it. What we do instead is we come to the customers and our AI learns of the customer from scratch, 
and no data is shared between customers. And that's very privacy friendly. It's explainable. You don't create a lot of privacy and business risks. And many people are not aware that this type of AI is also existing and already productized in things like cybersecurity. Hmm. Excellent. Well, Max, thank you ever so much for taking part in the podcast today. Cliff, a real pleasure. Thanks for having me today. And thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.